0: From Konigstein Road in the east, to Cetus Gap in the west, an orange curtain has descended across the Ojai Valley. This is Ojai Talk of the Town. Hey everyone, it's Brett Bradigan, editor of Ojai's magazines, the quarterly and monthly. Our guest this episode is J.B. White, a screenwriter and musician. He's just got a, a film that he wrote coming out in May called Get Me to the Wedding on Time. He's also well-known to Ohi audiences as the singer-songwriter for one of Ohi's favorite bands, The Household Gods. Hey, JB, thanks for joining me.
1: My pleasure, Brett.
0: Yeah, you have a very exciting project coming out. I was eager to get you on here to talk about it. Can you give us some... some Details?
1: Sure. it's uh, The movie's called Get Me to the Wedding on Time. The original title was Get Me to the Church on Time, but in the market where it's going to be broadcast, uh, they don't like the word church. <laughs> I thought it was a great title um, because of the song. Um, it's a romantic comedy. A woman is trying to get to her sister's wedding. She's the maid of honor. And as you can probably tell from the title, a series of unfortunate events. Uh, keep preventing her from getting there. It's sort Is of a, it a planes, trains, automobiles exactly. feeling? Exactly. And she's partnered up on the journey with the fellow who used to be her primary rival in high school. So the, you, it's, it's a classic setup. Yeah. Uh, they 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 meet uncute. Um, they hated each other in high school, and now through very clever circumstances that I contrived, they're they're forced to travel together. Yeah. And how long
0: have you been working on this project? Where did the uh... Uh, uh this is
1: an interesting one um i've I've done a lot of work my my career is almost thirty years long and um this is a script that I spec and uh 'cause I like the idea um and i I offered it to the Hallmark Channel, probably for
0: whom you've worked before yeah,
1: I've done over a dozen widgies for, for them before yeah. yeah uh I offered it to them when I wrote it three or four years ago, and they passed yeah. But I have a uh a friend a colleague producer named Tim Johnson. We've done a lot of pictures together and he always liked the script and he has developed a new business model if we, if you want we can talk about how television works a lot of people don't yeah
0: I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by the sausage grinding okay
1: well then let me take one step back it'll it'll make what I'm about to say make more sense generally speaking uh Television historically has worked on the license fee business model. So you have a project, a series, a limited series, a movie, and you go to the potential buyers for that, which would be the networks, um, and you pitch it to them or you bring them a script, and your goal is to get them to put up the money, the license fee, so you can make the movie. License fee doesn't usually cover the entire cost of making the movie, but the advantage to the producer or the production company is the channel of the network doesn't own the movie. The producer does. So, once they've had their opportunity to air it, the producer then goes and sells it in the rest of the world.
0: The international markets, and what about syndication?
1: Syndication as well, that's not really relevant to TV movies, which has been my Bailey Wick. You know, the example I like to use is uh, Friends. Friends, one of the most successful series of all yeah, time. 200 and some episodes. People say, boy, NBC made a lot of money from that. Well, they did from advertising, but who actually made the money was Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers produced it and owns it.
0: And as still, I mean, uh, that hit a sweet spot for <laughs> a lot of young people during the pandemic. And I'm not sure exactly why, except uh well the isolation people see groups of friends hanging around
1: oh but it's also a- i
0: think it's just generationally these young kids today do not have you know a central perk place where they can hang uh, out with their with their friends and
1: uh, that's i think that's a uh, i think that's astute but also it's just it's great i mean every, everybody loves it including me it's yeah. it, it holds up you watch it and you laugh
0: the only thing that puts me off is laugh tracks
1: yeah yeah um that's, that is unfortunate. And we've become accustomed now to so many great single camera comedies, uh, particularly on streamers and basic cable that when you, I remember when, um, the Will and Grace reboot came on. I loved Will and Grace in yeah. its first iteration, but I found the, the laugh track so jarring. I didn't make it past, past the first episode. Yeah. Three, it's but.
0: amazing how quickly we got, got over that. I think, uh, what was the first show to do without
1: a laugh track? It was. Oh, that's, you know, there, there were single camera shows even, even back in the day. A show like Leave It to Beaver, for instance, was not, not a multi-camera shot in front of an audience. I can't remember if there were laugh tracks on that. There probably were. But basically the laugh tracks came about because these shows were, were filmed in front of live audiences and they wanted to beef it up. Yeah. <laughs> they to make sure. Give them cues on when to laugh. And it's interesting how
0: reflexively we laugh at, yeah. You know the moments at these cues, but back to um, get me to the yeah. The so church. so yeah. so
1: um, that's been the traditional business model, and in this case, uh, I, I I took the same approach. I went to Hallmark and I said, "Here's the script," because they do a lot of in-house produ- producing. Themselves. Yeah, they
0: have a factory practically. They don't do. They? they do.
1: It's become become quite quite a factory, um, and they passed on the project. But as I was saying earlier, my friend Tim Johnson um, really liked it and thought it would be a good movie. So he has a different approach. He will go out and finance the movie on his own without selling it uh, in, in advance for for that license fee, and that's what he did. He went out and he made it. We shot it this fall, shot up in Ottawa. Um, I think it came out really well, and I I don't always feel that way. I really yeah. really like this one.
0: Are you wrong ever where you have a bad feeling and the film does great, and vice versa?
1: Um, yeah, yeah. It can go either way. It can go either way. Um, I'm usually because I've done so many, and I kind of keep moving, I, I just move on. I don't really. Yeah. I don't. I often don't even watch them to be honest.
0: Yeah, you're probably tired of them by the time they actually come <laughs> out. I know. Same with the, every issue of the magazine. <laughs> I'm focused on the next one, and well, that's
1: right. Yeah. That's right. At any rate, um, so the the irony or the the humor of it is, he made it and he took it to market, and Hallmark bought it. So it's going to be on that's Hallmark. That's great. Um, I haven't seen what the... kind of budget do you mind? Talking? Well, um. Yeah, that's another really great question and, and leads to a, a longer discussion about the economics of the current yeah. television business. When I first got into the TV movie business in the mid-90s, and back then it was primarily the major networks, and there was some basic cable. You didn't have streamers yet, of course. Um, ABC, NBC, CBS, the, um, I'd say probably the average license fee for a, Two-hour TV movie, primetime TV movie, which remember is only really ninety minutes because of the commercials. Yeah,
0: twenty-two <laughs> minutes of commercials per
1: hour, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. At any rate, license fee back then was about three, three and a half million. This is wow. in 1995 dollars. Um, the Hallmark license fee, my understanding is, I'm not a financing producer, so I don't deal with those kinds of budgets. I believe now is one and a quarter. Wow, like a third. And so here's the, here's the rub, as I say. The audience doesn't know or doesn't care that the, um, license fee is lower. Therefore, the ability of the producer or the production company to make the movie is, is hamstrung. They want the same quality. So this has led to all kinds of, um, decisions made by the production companies, independent producers, so they can afford to make them. And as a result, um, so much of television production, in particular, has emigrated uh, uh, particularly to, to, to Canada, uh, nowadays to other parts of the state. Because it's cheaper to film there? There's so many
0: reasons to do it. I know Vancouver's a hub now. Oh, Vancouver. But Ottawa,
1: too? Ottawa
0: seems like it's I've the had weather. Movie, is I've so had bad. movies
1: shoot in Montreal, Edmonton, uh, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, that about covers it. There's a number of reasons. First of all, the um, Canadian dollar is traditionally weak against the American dollar. I think yeah. right now it's about seventy-eight cents to the dollar. So it's been
0: trades in that range. I grew up right across the border from you Canada. Know. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, they offer fantastic incentives at both the municipal, um, um, provincial, and national level. So you get a lot of tax rebates if you if you do it right. But probably, well probably the most important factor and why it gets increasingly difficult um for those of us who are members of the american unions i'm a member of the wga is they they buy out the talent so if you're um a canadian actor you do get paid a nice fee up front to Mm -hmm. to do the part that's it
0: no back end no no
1: residuals um that's a big expense for the producer, particularly the, the independent producers. It comes out of their pockets. Yeah. And if the, if the buyer, if you can't contract with the buyer to pick up that tab, it puts a lot of pressure on you. And, and you
0: never know how long it's going to go on and how it's going to be, you'll be sending out residual checks for 25, 30 well, the years. Well, very,
1: the very first movie, one of the first movies I wrote for the Hallmark Channel, it's called Three Weeks, Three Kids. I think it was on in maybe 2009. Um, Anna Klumsky starred in it.
0: Oh, she's great. What is she in now? That Oh, that's uh, Anna, Inventing Anna. Yeah,
1: Inventing Anna. And she was, of course, on Veep. Oh, um, my God. One which of the funniest shows sh- ever, man. Jumped onto shortly after this one. Um, I got a residual check for it um, a week or so ago. Uh, it was for airings 140 and 141. They've shown it 141 times.
0: Wow, and they're
1: still airing it. I mean, and not, what kind
0: of a check is that coming out? Dollar <laughs> forty-six?
1: No, no, it's more than no. that. It's more than that.
0: There's some bar in uh, San Fernando Valley <laughs> where they where they stick all the residual checks up on it. You turn in a residual check for less than a buck, you get a, a you get free drink. beer, you get yeah. a drink. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I haven't ever had anything quite that low. And no, the actually the residual check is is is
0: is. But as a writer, you're going to be further up the call sheet on the on the getting paid, right? Well, I mean, actors. they're they're
1: they're contractually obligated to pay, and actually, most of the most of the companies are very good about it. They're not all good about it, and I'm i I'm, I'm particularly aggressive about chasing get, get, residuals, getting money. <laughs> I know we're getting your stack uh, owed to me. So, uh, so that yeah, that's my latest project.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, anybody we might recognize and no, uh, no, These are Canadian the Canadian
1: actors. The the lead actress, uh, her name is Natalie Hall. And she was new to me. And I, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't remember the name of the lead actor, but he's, he was great as well. And they, the, the director is a young um, Samantha Wan. She's a young uh, Canadian, uh, Chinese, Chinese Canadian, WAN. So she's Chinese Canadian. And in Canada, she has, has a fairly um, good career going as, as an actress and a producer mm-hmm. and writer. So she directed it. And I worked closely with her um, in you know getting it prepped for for production, and then through production, as things came up and had had had. Uh,
0: that's that's a not necessarily always the case, right? Where the writers are going to be.
1: Yes, it's rarely going
0: back and forth with the directors. It, it's so. rarely
1: the case. Really? Rarely the case, yeah. So I was, I, I mean, I, I've done it a number of times in my career, but 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 fewer times than I haven't done it. Yeah, so, do you get
0: disappointed by? What shows up on screen? What yeah. is that? What yeah. is that like? Yeah, I do.
1: Um, it's, it's, it's tough because, um, often it has to do with, with casting. Um, ca- casting decisions are made that you wouldn't have made. On this picture, uh, I didn't cast the two leaves, but I was asked my opinion on oh. all the other parts and, uh, helped, helped her put the cast together. We checked
0: out the sizzle wheels.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do everything now on tape. It's, in, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, and you know, there's there's a push as there should be for, for diversity in in, yeah. in programming. Um, our two leads are, are white, but uh, within the cast itself it's it's you know it's a racially mixed group. Yeah, well Canada,
0: especially over the last thirty years, has become very multi ethnic. I know mm-hmm. when you go to Toronto, you see these this wonderful like salad bowl of of Caribbeans and Chinese Koreans and Southeast Asians, and it's really amazing. Yeah, North Toronto's South. an amazing city.
1: Yeah, well, as is Vancouver and Montreal. I haven't been to to um, uh, anywhere else, but I've never
0: been to Montreal, and it's only like five hours from four or five hours from where I grew up. Yeah, you and, grew up
1: in upstate New York, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, just across near Buffalo.
1: All right, go Bills! Go Bills! Yeah, like Jimmy Cleary, he's from Buffalo. That's right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Lenny Clave.
1: Ah, there's a few. I didn't know Lenny was from. He went to
0: school at Buffalo. He's actually from Queens.
1: Yeah. That makes but, more sense knowing Lenny. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's like little pockets of Bill's fans here and there. Yeah. So, so sorry, yeah, sorry. This is uh it's really interesting to me how just the whole process works because I'm unfamiliar with writers ever having any input into any of the decision that goes into the production. It's well, just like you turn in your
1: script and that's it. Well it depends. I mean it depends on what kind of a writer you are. Um, certainly we're living in the, in, in the golden age, to use a cliche of the showrunner. And yeah. showrunners have a, an awful lot of, a lot of a lot of say in what they, in what they do. And a lot of, because they're also the executive producers of the, of the programs.
0: Yeah. Right um, down the set design and everything. Yeah. And they, and they work,
1: they work in, in editing. They work in pre and post production. Um, the, the niche that I've been in my whole career, you're right. The, the, the writer, isn't, um, well, in, in an odd way, I hate to say it, isn't needed. Because these, once you get a movie through development, you get it ordered and you get it, um, through pre production. Our shooting days, I mean, this movie was shot in 14 days. Wow. Um, which is, um, a well oiled f- machine. Fairly common. Yeah. And you're shooting, you know, seven, eight pages a day. Um, and unless there's a, a, a function for the writer, and occasionally there is. Or
0: to be, be on it. set and hand hand uh, sides to, to actors—that's <laughs> the fantasy, you
1: know. I did have a movie shoot in. Uh, oh, I've had almost nothing shot in in uh, the United States for the last actual twenty years, but I did have one thing shoot about ten years ago. they shot it over in uh, uh, s- uh, Santa Clarita, Simi, Simi Valley, oh. because it was set in Mexico. Uh, so they—they. Mm-hmm. They, they, I'm not. I'm not picturing that. <laughs> yeah, it worked. It worked, um, and. Uh, I was on set uh, a bit for that, and one day the the really really great great uh, lead act- actress was having trouble uh, delivering um, some lines, and the uh, the uh, director, a really nice guy, came to me and said, "Can you help her out here?" And I said, "I said, I said why don't you get her to try it just once as I wrote it?" <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> well, that's she, you- not very
1: imaginative. I mean. Uh, and she did it. It worked just fine. So, um, yeah, writers could be more useful on set. But the reality is we're not. We're, we, they can't afford us. They can't afford to have yeah, us going.
0: My favorite story is, <clears throat> I'm blanking on the show with Timothy Olyphant and Justified, Justified over in Santa Clarita. <laughs> it was based on an Elmore Leonard <laughs> short story. And they made like five seasons. What a great show. But the, um, God, I'm blanking on the name of the director, showrunner's name, uh, oh, yeah, okay. Graham, Yost. Graham, Graham Yost. Graham Yost brought Elmore Leonard on the set and had him, tanned, like, I mean, they were writing it. As they were shooting, they were writing as they were shooting. They were just like, you know, pages flying around all over the place. Because that show, you know, was an hour long and 20 episodes a year or something, maybe not that many. I think it in
1: 12 or 13 back then, yeah.
0: Yeah, but... Uh, Elmore Leonard was like in his eighties, and he'd never act ever been on a on a set before, and he was just having a time. You hear him talk about it on some panel or something; he was just glowing. He just had the time
1: of his life. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's that's episodic television, and the, I mean, um, Sam Jackson has a new show on, on Samuel
0: uh, Jackson. Yeah,
1: Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Sam Sam has a new show on. Um, I think it's on Apple Plus. And uh, and it's a Walter Mosley project, and Walter Mosley. Oh, wow, yeah. you know, worked on yeah, Easy it Rollins. Yeah, yeah, Rollins. This is a different piece. It's not an Easy Rollins. It's story. not an Easy Rollins story. Um, and so you, you you hear about that, of course. But you know, we're talking about top A list people. Yeah. And, uh, um, I, I don't I don't travel in that world.
0: Well, not yet maybe after this hits <laughs> no. what are you, what are you working on now do you have like five or six scripts out there shopping no, around all the no, time no
1: the reality you is Go project to project the reality, reality is um, i have done it for about 30 years and I'm I'm I've slowed down again I'm a I'm a union member so um uh and I'm over 65 by a bit and uh, uh over I wouldn't the, know by me over the years you um you know if you're lucky and I I have been, you build up a, a good pension so I'm drawing my pension. That doesn't prevent me from continuing to work, and yeah. but what it does means mean is the the economic incentive to be out there hustling all the time is um, has diminished. So, but I do have interestingly enough two new projects starting up that from pre- previously written scripts. E, well, yes and no. Um, getting back to the Hallmark Channel, I um, when they first more aggressively got into making movies. They had one provider who basically serviced all their movies and they wanted to move away from him. And the executive who came in... When you say provider, you mean he was, a, he was a producer. He was a producer. Okay. So so he would uh, make almost all the movies they, they put on. And they wanted to uh, branch out and diversify. And the executive who came in to oversee that, Barbara Fisher, had been a longstanding um, friend and colleague of mine um, from back in the 90s when she ran Universal Television, the long-form division. Of, uh, that's what we call what I do, long-form television. Yeah. And uh, she, uh, I, I started writing movies for them uh, because of that relationship. And that's when I did things like Three Weeks, Three Kids. Then probably about five years ago, they changed the nature of the programming. They had so much success with their Christmas movies, yeah, and and uh, the, the formula you were talking have, have about been. earlier of um, of romantic comedies, a sort of very um, predictable, to be honest, a kind but, of romantic but comedy. But
0: they're, um, you know, they're they're candy. People just well, that's love them. that's exactly it.
1: They have they have an audience that traditionally has wanted no conflict. They want to be able to turn on the TV and not worry about anything
0: or keeping track of you know, layered character yeah. arcs and
1: which, you so know, forth. Which yeah. is, is
0: escapist. Absolutely fine. Um, but no, like Virgin River was a huge success that but not kind on of blew the not, not on
1: the Hallmark Channel. And the no, Hallmark I, Channel regrets not getting Virgin River. It's on it's on Netflix. Um, but uh, they they started making those kinds of movies and I hadn't been writing quite those kinds of movies, so as often happens, um, I became a, a less of a go to writer for them. And so I sort of um stopped stopped writing. And that's when my retirement started. So it really yeah. was fine. So anyway, the two new projects, what's interesting is, one is a project I pitched to them. It's a book. I pitched it to them eight years ago, back when they were doing projects like this. It's called The Goodbye Quilt. It's based mm-hmm. on a book. And it's essentially a mom driving her daughter across country to take her to college. So it has the... Sounds and like g- Lady Bird. Yeah, <laughs> well, of uh, the homework hallmark, home- home- version of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, and it's not Greta Gerwig, um, but it's very sweet and and touching. And and should the mom is making a quilt for quilt for her to give to her when they get to college that has you know patches of cloth and and other elements from from the daughter's life. Yeah, so,
0: memorabilia. But but
1: essentially, it's a mother daughter story. Yeah. You know, see, they haven't they haven't and making those kinds of movies. Now they're coming back to it. So they're circling back to guys like me because I've, I've written stuff like that. The other one is even more interesting. They did hire me to write it. Another book called Big Sky River, which is a a modern romance novel set in Montana. I wrote it for them eight years ago. Again, I wrote it and went through the whole development process and they, yeah, you know, to put it nicely, threw me off the project because it, mm. it wasn't a romantic comedy. It was had a little more. It was about a, a widower with two boys and a recently divorced woman. It had had a little bit more meat on its bones yeah. in, in the Hallmark world. Um, they kept it in development for <laughs> the intervening years. They yeah. had two other writers come in and revamp it and make it into a romantic comedy. And I guess for whatever reason, I didn't never read those scripts. Um, it didn't work. And lo and behold, <laughs> a couple months ago, they came back and said, "You know, we've gone back to your original script, and we want to make that." Oh, nice! So that the, must feel great. It's nice, and the and the, or the producers involved are wonderful people, um, and and they, you worked
0: with them before. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them, one of them, and, uh, um, and right now we're just it's it's, it's about they're trying to uh, figure out the budget. Is
0: there any trout fishing in it? You're, there is. Well, if you need any uh, check on the similitude, <laughs> I offer myself up. When I watch movies that have anything to do with my field of my very narrow but deep fields of knowledge and they get it wrong, it just pisses me
1: off. Yeah. It, that does a bit with me when I see a, a poker scene and somebody says, I call that and I raise you. Which yeah, You can't, no. you can't do you call, that. You call. can't do it. Yeah. Uh, you call or you raise. Yeah.
0: But yeah, that's like so easy to avoid that, and yet yeah, it still happens all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I have some gr- grammatical um, boogaboos when people say "between you and I." Um yeah. I'm always, I'm always. When they ask me for my notes for ADR, additional dialogue recording, yeah. I always say you've got to fix that if you can.
0: Well, my my bugaboo is is unique uh-huh. in general, but when people say. Well, that's very unique. (laughs) It's like degrees of uniqueness. You mean compared to just a little bit unique? I think we need to ban that word altogether. Well, you know, know,
1: this is when when I I, um, uh, devolve into old fogeyism. I I feel that way about a lot of things.
0: I've been an old fogey like that since I was about uh, 13
1: or 14, I think. I mean, if if someone says, uh, this cup of coffee is a Amazing. If a cup of coffee is amazing, what would be, what would the second coming of Christ, how would you describe that?
0: Where would you even fit that into your <laughs> schema? But
1: you know, I admit, I admit to being an old fogey. Yeah.
0: Well, Louis C.K., uh, before he got uh, sideways on our culture, had a great bit about um, this guy in line with his phone, he goes, that's hilarious, <laughs> and it's just like, that's hilarious, really? <laughs> <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. the deadpan way he said it. Right, right, right. So what uh, was what else going to talk to you about? Yeah, I mean, 30-year career. That didn't necessarily start out there. I know you're a very talented musician, and that's like your, I don't know if that's a side hustle or a passion project or how you would describe well, it. You know, but was that a part of the mix in your early years? Yeah, I mean, early th- th- years? Th-
1: thanks for the question. What I've found when uh, I don't do, I think this is my first podcasts.
0: Whoa, um, yeah,
1: we're breaking you in. Breaking me in. Um, I've been on California and was here for a while, then then back east for a very long time. Uh, we were back east for, you know, again, 15 years. But at the time, uh, I was in my mid-30s and I have three daughters and they were all born by wow. 1988. And I was working this straight job in New York and still writing songs, still recording them, still performing, but I just, uh, I hit a, I guess a kind of early midlife, midlife crisis where I said, you know what, this isn't going to work. So I have a couple choices. I can, I uh, dropped out of college. I could go back and finish college. No, you went to
0: Stanford? Is I did. That I
1: dropped out of a really good college. Wow.
0: <laughs> Now I've heard somewhere that Sigourney Weaver Weaver was one of your
1: um, well, Sigour- <laughs> classmates. <laughs> Sigourney was definitely my classmate and my friend. We we were because uh, I was also very interested in drama, so I was a drama student, and we were in drama wow. class together. We were in production. Did you know together? she
0: was a star then? No,
1: really? Oh, no. So she,
0: she grew into it because. No, I mean you know, often you know, like when they're six years old, somebody's going to be a no, performer. We, no,
1: we 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 didn't. Um, but she was good egg. Um, (laughs) and, uh, it's a funny, funny story to me because, um, we, we really were pals and we also lived in the same kind of off-campus hippie housing for a while, but I hadn't seen her in a number number of years. But then maybe about four years ago, there was a, um, an industry event that I attended and Sigourney was there. And, uh, I just went up and said, I just wanted to say hi, it's, it's JB from Stanford. Total, <laughs> total, total, total blank. Is
0: that because you looked it differently or because? I, 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 you know, Brad, I, I, Brad I sure hope that's why it was. Yeah. But it, it is true. Drugs, I probably so. weigh a
1: hundred more pounds than I did then. I had hair back then. I wore glasses. And, um, JB is, is what people call me. My name is Jim. I could have been Jim White back then. So, I, I've given myself all those excuses for why, but she didn't. So, so it's hard yeah. for me to continue to say, yeah, so, I went to college
0: with Sigourney. Well, did you have enough you know? conversation to sort of prompt her a memory? No, or you know, any like mutual I, acquaintances? Or? I
1: felt like I was imposing on her. Space, no, so I, man. I, didn't, I didn't. That's too bad.
0: So, um, I had a friend who went to Stanford, and he was classmates with Jennifer Connolly. Oh, all right. Yeah.
1: Oh, I didn't know Jennifer went, went to Stanford. Uh, yeah.
0: Interesting. So now you're, you said it's a midlife crisis, but it sounds like more as a, you kind of realize you got to grow up, get a real well, job. I, I, well,
1: I mean, I give myself credit that, you know, when I needed to go out and support my family, I did. Yeah. I, you know, I was making, but that living was, was, was not sustainable and I didn't like it. I wasn't, you know, the, the truth is when I do any kind of self uh, analysis is I've always wanted to be in show business. Just, yeah. So at that time, my brother in law and one of my very best friends had started to make inroads as screenwriters.
0: Are these two different people or two the different same people, person?
1: Okay. One in features and one in television. And I tell this story and, you know, it's again, it's 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 cocky as hell. But I said, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> I've if heard they,
0: that. I've heard that in different fields and different times, just like if that's the bar,
1: well, <laughs> Shit. Oh, they're both they're both very good. Yeah. But, but but you know, I I consumed uh, movies and television my entire life, so the, the language of it was very familiar to me. Yeah. So I did what what anybody does. I sat down and started writing scripts. Just cranked out a bunch of spec scripts. Yeah. I wrote scripts, and I, I said uh, my goal was to um, whenever I would write one, I'd send it to. I did have friends in in the business and in the, or in the peripheries of the business at that time, and uh, c- c- solicit their opinion. What do you think? And I'd listen to what they said and I would, um, take those notes and then I'd, instead of lingering on the script I'd just written, I'd write another one. And I wrote seven scripts before I made any, any headway. Um, but the, the and what did headway look like? Headway looked like, like this. There, there is, um, it's a contest. I think it's still extremely active I know it is called the Nickel Fellowships and it's sponsored mm. by the uh, uh, Motion Picture Academy and the basically the, the setup is if if you're an aspiring screenwriter and you've written a spec script send it in. they will be judged. we will pick winners. I forget what the huh. prizes were you know uh, the,
0: get a I, meeting I don't I don't
1: forget what the prizes were because I didn't win one but yeah. what did happen was, I placed in the semifinals two years in a row. Yeah. And um that meant that and back then I think it was only maybe 6 or 700 people were applying. Now only. I think it's in the thousands. Um um and so but that meant that you know I was like in the top 50. And that gave me enough confidence to think I can really do this. And then out of the blue I got a call from a couple guys in New York. I was living in New Jersey, He said, "Hey, we're just calling people who did well in nickel fellowships because we're we're starting an agency. and wow. and we we would love to read your stuff." And I said, "Well, sure." So I sent them the scripts that had done well, and they said, we love these can we sign you?" So they did. And they started sending my scripts to Hollywood.
0: did they come into the business with contacts and
1: well i i i I've told this story before Brett so it has a gra- it has a great it has a great punchline so i'm i'm i'm, okay. I'm, I'm i don't want to give away the punchline. uh one was, uh, was a was a a lawyer and the other was an accountant actually for c b s that sounds pretty good context for running a business yeah, they had good business sense and they um they uh um started sending my scripts out and there would be some interest. So I'd fly out here from uh from the New York area. I'd take meetings. I realized in retrospect a lot of those meetings were with assistants and yeah. junior executives, but again was getting getting encouragement. And just knowing the process. And then I wrote um really you know, in any in any origin story, the script. The script that clearly yeah. was much better than anything else I'd written it was a rom- romantic comedy called doctor lawyer indian chief and <laughs> and the and the interest in that was was keener and uh, a, a few things conspired to put me in a position to uh sell my house quit my job and have enough resources to come out here to try to make a go of it
0: now you have three kids and, uh-huh, and, uh huh and Three young kids,
1: three young daughters, and a and a, um, a worried wife who wouldn't you know. be. <laughs> um, but she had seen how hard I had worked. I mean, look, look, you know, <laughs> being a screenwriter is not being a coal miner. Don't get me wrong, but you yeah. know, I was working a full time job, commuting into New York, and getting up at four in the morning to write for a couple hours before I got in the commuter train. So I was, yeah. I was serious about it. Yeah. Um, and so she saw that. She also saw that, you know, our, our future there, it wasn't the one we wanted. No. So she took the leap. She, she. People always have said to me, God, you were so brave to do this. I said, well, I wasn't brave. Elizabeth was brave. Yeah. Um. So, But before I got out here, I said to my brilliant really nice agents, I really need to get an agent in L.A., Uh, And I hope you understand that. I said, of course we do. And the producer who was shepherding this script that Dr. Lawyer Indian Chief sent, sent it, typical story, sent it to every agent he knew in LA and they all passed. Yeah. Until this one guy at William Morris read it and said, huh, this isn't bad. Send me another one. I sent him another one. He said, huh, let me talk to you. You called me one night, talked to me in New Jersey. Now, you know about agents. He and I probably I talked, talked for, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes. Most agents don't talk to their own clients for more than 90 seconds at a time yeah. if they don't have to. And he just basically felt me out in terms of who I was and what I was doing what I was coming. And I think in retrospect, are there language limitations on, on your podcast?
0: No, you can drop the F-bomb, okay. as long as it's not gratuitous. I, know.
1: He, I think he probably said, this poor fuck. Yeah. He's quit his job. He's he's um, he's um, moving out here sight and Somebody's got to help him out. Um, really? Yeah. And this guy's name is Alan Gasmer. Great guy. He was my agent for a number of years. He's now the executive producer of Vikings. And has, oh,
0: wow. I love that
1: show. And has done done really well. And uh, uh, anyway, he took me on and came out. And, uh, and I got out here. We, and by the way, we moved right to Ohio. Didn't, huh. move, didn't How move did that.
0: you even know? How did Ohio well, again, even pop again, up on your map?
1: Again, I knew, you know, I knew people. I knew people out here in Hollywood. I just figured
0: fair is a great place to raise uh, three
1: daughters. And I, I knew that Elizabeth would be miserable in L.A. Yeah. And uh, I, I probably would is have was a farm too. girl or she country girl. A, she grew up in a small town Illinois. Yeah. yeah. So she loves a small Down town. Downstate. Nope. Uh, north northwest of Chicago. Okay. In McHenry County, um, the town of Woodstock. It's where Groundhog Day was filmed. Really? So the, the, the town square. Stand in right? for
0: Punxsutawney? Yes, yes.
1: So, um, we came right to Ohio. It was in the, it was in the fall of 93 and I, I hit the, hit, hit the ground, uh, went, went down to LA with uh, the producer who was shepherding the script. We eventually set that script up at New Line with uh, Sharon Stone attached, but it never got made. Um, and we were out pitching a, Basically, uh, "Hand That Rocks the Cradle" for if your listeners remember that movie
0: mm-hmm. um, with uh, Ro- not a Rebecca, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca de Mornay. Yeah, yeah, about
1: the the jilted woman who comes into the family and wreaks havoc. Mine was Hand That Rocks the Cradle" with a grandfather. That was the Whoa. that was the gag. It was called Gramps, and we that were sounds menacing. <laughs> and we were pitching it to the studios as a feature because you know I it came out. I, I wanted to be a feature writer. And, uh, no one was buying it, but my agent, Alan Gasmer, this is my great stroke of luck, had a foot in both television and features. In fact, he had come out of television, but at the time was one of the, one of the top uh, spec script sellers of, of, uh, in features. And now, I've
0: heard, uh, the ratio was like 10 to 1 for scripts that get optioned or purchased and versus what actually gets made. Well, I'm sure it's, I'm sure Even that, I'm sure that. there's
1: much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And back then, back in the mid 90s, there was so much, um a development there were so many scripts and pitches being bought oh yeah. no uh, that's 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 generous it's probably more like 60 to 1 but i'm not an expert on that um television of course is quite different our development to production ratio particularly in um long form is much much better that's why i've, I've had the good fortune of having a lot of stuff made yeah um so anyway you know, i was pitching this to the to the studios no one was buying it he said you know what Over at NBC, they've got a put deal, meaning they have to make a movie with Andy Griffith, but he has to approve it. And he doesn't like anything that they've pitched to him. So I want you to go pitch it to his producer. It's a guy named Fred Silverman. Now, you may know who Fred Silverman is. I don't
0: know, but I sure have heard the name. (laughs)
1: Um, I think he ran, I'm going to get the network wrong, forgive me, either ABC or CBS when they were doing All in the Family. and. Yeah, he's a... He's a legend. And then he ran NBC for a while. Now he was just a producer, Andy's producer. Long story short, pitched it to Fred. Andy liked it. Um, We sold it to NBC, but NBC didn't know who I was. And they said, okay, we will buy the story from J.B. White, but we're going to get a real writer in here to, to write it. And Alan Gasmer, again, to his credit, said, no. No, you're not.
0: This is script. He has to He's write going it. going along he with at it. He
1: at least has to write the first draft. And the leverage he knew he had was Andy Griffith wanted to do it. So they said, okay. So I wrote a first draft. They greenlit it on the first draft. Now, nice. at the time, I didn't know anything. Still don't know that much. But at the time, I thought, well, this is how it works. This yeah. is easy. Not realizing that um, that was pretty rare. And they really sat up and paid attention after that. And then I became a real go-to writer for NBC for a number of years. In fact, I had an overall wow. deal with them. For like a script years. doctoring sort of job? No, just, just writing scripts for them, um, doing some rewrites, um, but writing original scripts. Um, anyway, I want to get back to those two nice guys yeah. who took me on. and The I, lawyer and the accountant. I left them. The accountant eventually left. Uh, the, it was too risky for him. But the lawyers stuck with it. And that lawyer is one of the great guys. His name is Lawrence Lawrence Mattis. Lawrence
0: Mattis. Lawrence
1: Mattis. And the name of their company, which was really odd at the time and still is, is Circle of Confusion, um, which mm. is a camera, that is camera interesting phrase. Yeah. But but at the same time they were repping me, they had um, signed these two brothers from Chicago. And they said, JB, read this script. What do you think of this script? We've got some interest in this. And I read the script and I said, Guys, this makes no sense to me, but good luck. That script was called The Matrix.
0: Oh my God, the Wachowski brothers. So, so they they They're Wachowski sisters. Wachowski now, sisters
1: now, yeah. um, and and so uh, th- that's that was one of the. So early you clients. passed on The Matrix. I no, I didn't pass on it. This is one of my opinion. What did I think okay. of it? But anyway, so they and the, the the sisters kept them kept Lawrence as their. Um, agent for a number of years, and I think Lawrence is now still their manager. And Then Circle of Confusion early on got into you know, we think there may be some some um, opportunities for graphic novels to, um, you know, to, to be filmed entertainment.
0: And this is when exactly? this, is, this is again
1: 90s into the early aughts. Yeah. So they they shepherd a, a, a project called The Walking Dead. Oh my god, so they've done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they've done all right. He's done okay.
1: They, they've done just fine, and so the loss of J.B. White didn't hurt them at all.
0: No, it didn't. Didn't slow them down. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's quite a story. Yeah. The Matrix yeah. and The Walking Dead. Yeah. Anybody that gets anywhere near those two projects is going to be doing all
1: right. Yeah. Again, they're good guys. So anyway, that's that, that's my origin story. I I um didn't think I'd be writing TV movies, but I my my goal when I when I came out here, it was always my goal was to make a living, first and yeah. foremost, and support my family. And uh, this is a a nichey business. I think probably every I'm sure the the the, the magazine business yeah, is you the same go way. Deep.
0: There's there's riches in the niches. Yeah, but not not my case. I mean, I I make a living. That's all I that's all I require.
1: Yeah. Well, and for me too. And and my I make a nice living. I'm I'm, I'm again very very lucky. But But it is true that once you get into a groove, good thing about being a TV movie writer is at least I've written in a lot of genres, so it's not yeah. like: certain... Oh yeah,
0: I saw on your IMDB that you had adapted a Peter Benchley yeah. novel, the one about the Kraken or something. It's called "The Beast." I think I sort of remember that.
1: It was a big deal at the time, Brett. Yeah. I well, mean, it
0: was Peter Benchley, and that was
1: Jaws. <laughs> it was Jaws with a giant squid. Yeah. No, it was it was a it was actually huge and it was early in my career and it really really helped me. Um, it was I think the back then a mini series on Network Television was Two Nights. The Two Night miniseries. I think it was the most watched miniseries of the year in 1990. Wow. And it got some Emmy nods. Uh, yeah for score. Don Davis, a great, great composer, not for the screenplay. I'll tell you that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, but it, uh, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, back then, it probably got probably 25 million people watched it.
0: Yeah, you're never going
1: to get an audience no, like that. No, 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 no. So uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was a big deal. But anyway, I, I was, I have been able to write in in many genres. Um, that that was a, I would call that an action. Not of an action horror movie, but I yeah. wrote, a, wrote a thing called *House of Frankenstein*, which was straight-ahead uh, creature movie. I've done biopics. I've done true crime. And who
0: who have you done? Uh, Hugh biopics? Hefner. I wrote a Hugh oh, Hefner movie for USA in
1: 1999. Um, uh, I've adapted unauthorized one, or authorized. There, it, was, it was called Hefner Unauthorized. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, uh, true crime uh, dramas. Uh, family. Well fam- what ter- you can't skip past all this. What was your true crime script? It was called it was called Guilty Hearts. It starred Marsha uh, Marcia Gay Harden and Treat Williams and it was a true story of a woman, I think on Long Island, who um started an affair with her doctor. Mm. And then <laughs> I'm trying to remember what happened. I think the doctor murders his own wife and tries to get away with it. Oh wow. Well. <laughs> Anyway, it was a two-night miniseries. Was on it salacious? CBS. Well, it's salacious as you could be on network television in, in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, well, I remember uh, Showtime. They had was it silk stockings and mm-hmm. all these anthology series that were... Mm-hmm. It sounds like I'd fit into that. Like that no, stuff. it was
1: a little a little, a little classier
0: than that, Brett. Um, well, I thought those were very classy. They always had the mood lighting and the yeah. great costumes. Dialogues were generally terrible, but they looked good.
1: Yeah. No, I, I have written straight ahead thrillers. I worked for a company out of Montreal called Inchendo Media, and I did, I think, five straight ahead thrillers for them um, um, a number of years ago. But So that, that's been the, the What's great. What's your favorite genre? I don't. I like. Um, it, it, it's not a genre, but I like stories that have. I like stories that have scripts that have multiple stories. I want yeah. several, Overland you know. I darks. want just. I don't want just the A story. I want a B story, C story, D story. And I want them to um, affect each other. That's yeah. the most fun to write. Um, you know, I can write a two-hander if I if I need yeah. to. I mean, get me to the wedding on time. About half of it is a two-hander, mm-hmm. um, but the other part of it is. While she's trying to get to the wedding, the wedding still has to take place. So we keep cutting back yeah, to her sister to and her mother and all the things and all the events, the the bachelorette party and the rehearsal, the rehearsal dinner. We keep cutting back to that.
0: I can see why a wedding would be a perfect setup for multiple character arcs. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: but what i like most if if i'm able is to is to switch from genre to genre but these yeah. days for the market where 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 i can get hired it's going to be mostly yeah romantic, they're going to be promise. the go-to
0: guy for a, a certain kind well speaking of well like what are some of your movies that you look to as you know, examples. Your favorite movies, in other words.
1: Well, you know, it's it's a pretty as a writer. It's a it's a pretty you know predictable list. You know, uh, everybody will say The Godfather. I'll be one of them. I love yeah. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is uh, to me almost almost a perfect movie. Um, uh, it I'm easily moved. Embar- yeah, Embarrassed. Embarrass- i sentimental. So. Yes.
0: All I have to do is think about old Yeller, and I'll start choking up.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I can, yeah, I can cry thinking about it. It's a Wonderful Life. Um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't compile a list. I'll tell you a movie I, I just saw, I absolutely loved, was Licorice Pizza. I have not seen that. I want to see that. Anything that
0: Paul Thomas Anderson does, I want to, I want to see. Or is it? Yeah, yeah it's no, Paul no, Thomas yeah, Anderson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because he grew up there. This is a very personal yeah, it's, it's movie it's very much him. a
1: memory piece, as a, as a lot of his yeah. stuff is. And that, that's, again, that's a movie with multiple stories. And it's yeah. episodic. I mean, it definitely has has uh, an arc, but it doesn't have the traditional movie arc. Um, but every element of it is is kind of perfect.
0: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Well I, I would tell everybody about Pig with Nicolas Cage. I don't know if you have seen I have not seen it. But, I'm
1: aware of it, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know what it is about that film that affects me so deeply because Never heard of this director before. It's his first, first feature, and Nick Cage, you know, he's he's in the right part. I can't imagine anybody better. Yeah, and this is the part that's really plays to his strengths. Just that, you know, that quiet mania going on behind the scenes, but it's like a kind of a Stations of the Cross kind of film, or. Yeah, but I just I just thought he was great, and it's got all the great food stuff in there. I'm just a food enthusiast, so watching, you know, a chef and hearing all the food talk, it's just such a good movie.
1: Yeah, it's on my list. You know, I have my uh, getting back to my family. I have my old that oldest daughter, the first daughter, and her her husband, and two of my grand grandsons are living with us now. Yeah, so we're you're doing telling
0: me like a COVID. Uh, COVID closeness yeah
1: so Elizabeth and I are doing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, child care. and so my opportunities to to watch so I'm as a member of the or WGA strict, uh, I get screeners. DVD screeners or uh, access to all the movies it, it's, it's pitiful how few of them I, I've seen I have a pile of yeah, them sitting you're
0: too busy watching uh, Phineas and Ferb or
1: well I'm watching a lot of TV watching a lot of the limited series you know uh, at the end of the day we have an hour, a couple hours. Last night we watched um, two episodes of the super pumped up the new the new uh, series on Showtime about the founding of Uber.
0: Oh yeah, I've heard about that. I'm trying to remember the who's the actor's name. Not Andrew Garfield, is it?
1: It's the fellow who is in Third Rock from the Sun, and I always get his, oh uh,
0: Mike. Uh, he's got three
1: names. Three names, yeah. And uh, and, um, and he's very good. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. And the guy from Friday Night Lights, the great. Uh, Oh, Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler. See, there you go. It's really that's really kind of about the two of them. So we'll watch that. Um, yeah, it's usually lighter stuff. So pig. pig what has about?
0: A- uh, well, pig is intense, but it doesn't have the typical violence you would expect. There's this one scene, you know, that's that's got the typical Nick Cage uh, rage. Yeah. But the rest of it is just so sweet and just so. I don't even know how to, I don't know why that movie hit me like that, but it did. I love. You don't it.
1: know how movies hit you. That's a. It's a special yeah. thing.
0: And one that I ha- haven't seen in years that I really want to go back and watch that it sort of reminded me of Pig was Ghost Dog with Forrest Whitaker. Oh. I know Jim you- Jarmusch movie from okay, the 80s. Okay, okay. Haven't seen that. Something about that movie. And there's nothing in the premise that's remotely similar, but something about the performances.
1: Mm.
0: There's just something about. The way Forrest Whitaker just wore that part like a like a coat is just really impressive.
1: How in the world are you gonna be able to see something like that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I have an app that my sister I'm recommending this app to everyone that my sister told me about called to put on my glasses. Real good. R-E-E-L-G-O-D. Real get to my app store. Good. App Store, real R E E L. G O O D. And what it is, is particularly if you want to see something on TV and you're going, what is it? That on Hulu? Is that on HBO Max? You just type in the the name of it and it'll show you where it's airing. But this is really great. You can look up your Forrest Whitaker movie and see if it's available anywhere
0: on Amazon back catalog or something. Yeah, Prime. Prime, you
1: may have to pay three bucks for
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, well, Ted Lasso is another show that really uh, hit a sweet spot for me during me the pandemic. Too. Me too. Yeah, Love I guess it's like the, you know, that we're at a, an age where irony just seems to be overplayed, and something that's got that sincerity to it is really like people are over the snark and the.
1: I think so. I think so. Or we're, at least
0: there's a room for something. And we're
1: living in. They're in a different house.
0: Yeah. But if you got all the talents in Ojai together onto a project, whatever that project would be, I think it could change the world. There's more creative energy in a town this size than any other comparable community that I'm aware of. I mean, I'm trying to think of I think, where, I where think, else. I think bang
1: for buck, you're right.
0: I mean, for 8,000 people, you know, there's.
1: Well now now Brad I'm going to have to I'm going to have to um, argue with you about that
0: about the number.
1: Yeah. When people say that Ohio is 8,000 people, 7,400. That doesn't include me, you know that. Yeah. Cuz I live I live I live east of Gridley.
0: Yeah. Well, but, people say 30,000, but it's actually about 21,300. Okay. All right. There's 7700 active occupied households. And then whatever the household number here is, it's all census figures. You got to extrapolate because we're different census blocks. But the
1: eight thousand number comes for the city limits. Yeah. And, and the reality, they used to do articles. But you guys,
0: like, the rest is like it's
1: like,
0: <laughs> kind of like riding on our coattails. It's like
1: the Thatcher School is actually not in Ohio. Not it's, you know. <laughs> But yeah, we're, it's a it's still a, how how whatever the numbers are, it's still a, a small community, and, and it always yeah. feels like a small community. But it's interesting you're talking about going to the women's center. And I experience this now, too. And it's just part of uh, aging. I used to think, oh, I'd go out and I'd go to events. And there were events where there was a common interest shared by people I knew. And I would just see so many people I knew. Now, I'll go to something and, uh, like you, I hardly know anybody here.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. It's good to see the churn, the creative churn. Nothing bad
1: about it at all. It's, it's, It's life.
0: Yeah. And I think since the pandemic... I don't remember the exact figure, but shockingly high amount of turnover in residents yeah, especially younger families with resources mm-hmm. looking to get out of Los Angeles. Well I know this people. I know this very well because I live yeah, on, I live on one of those
1: side streets yeah. on the East End and we've seen it firsthand. Um, the street that I live on basically was aging out yeah and now we have one, two, three. Four families with young, younger kids living on the street. It's state. great. I love yeah, to
0: see these kids fantastic. running around town. And i in my office here, behind Bonnie Lou's. It's like the skateboard skaters, skateboarders come through on their way to the skate park. Uh-huh. And they're just so many of these bad There's these three girls. I haven't seen them in a while. Um, probably because they're on spring break or something. But. They're like I don't know, twelve or thirteen, and they're total badasses. The way they just rip through town <laughs> on their way to the skate park—it's so fun. It's like you can almost set your clock by them.
1: Yeah, it's good. I think it's still a tough place for people without means, young yeah, people to oh, live.
0: Man, yeah. I don't know what the solution to that is, and I'm sure we're not going to get to it on on this episode.
1: Well, no, and it's 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 not my area of expertise, Brett. Um,
0: Neither, but yeah. I wish we could figure it out because that diversity and a community is so so necessary for the arts and the community and people bumping up against each other. It's these chain reactions that happen in these casual encounters that make so much difference.
1: Well, I, I do have one opinion about it that I'll I'll throw out there, and it, it's um, related to my my own experience. As I said, my my daughter, my oldest daughter, and her husband and the two boys are living with us um, and they're both teachers. She teaches at Monica Ross. She teaches at Ventura High School. Boys are in school year. Um, they're able to do it and we're able to do it with them because the extended family or nuclear family has come back together. And yeah. my, it's not, this is not a, a, an idea that I came up with. But you know, this idea of the nuclear family that you grow up, you leave home, you go have your own family unit somewhere else. That that's the way it goes is a pretty recent idea in human history. Yeah. And in fact, what we're seeing, what I'm seeing in my household and I'm seeing in other households in Ohio with my friends where similar things are happening is because housing has become so expensive, because a lot of kids have uh, student loan debt, um, the cost of living keeps going up. Um, it it simply makes economic sense to reband together like we always used to Yeah, multiple generations living together. So I think, um, yes, people of means with kids are, are moving here, but also there's my kids, my yeah. daughter. There's and a I,
0: name for that, uh, re nesting process. Mm-hmm. I can't remember it now, but
1: yeah. So, so I think that that is helping and it's helping to, to diversify Ohio in terms of, of, um, um age if age else, age yeah. age, de- age demographics so but you, what can you do you we're, we're living in paradise everybody yeah. wants to live in paradise even it's if we demand, don't have any water
0: it's purely demand supply and demand yeah yeah well speaking of which uh you've supplied me with some great content and uh been generous with your time and uh is there anything else you want to talk about no
1: no thank you for for have, having me in i i think you know uh the kind of career that I've had is not one that gets talked about much because it's a real uh, journeyman's career. It's a kind of kind of, if you looked me up on the IMDb, my my number ranking is probably you know three hundred thousand. Yeah. But there are many many people like me who have had um, great careers, made really good livings, really yeah. enjoyed the work they've done and continue to do. And um, we're not all um, uh, superstars. You so, don't have
0: to be. Well, you are in this community.
1: <laughs> anyway, so thank you for being interested in hearing a little bit about what I do and how I got there. I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, JP.
0: Hey, everyone. It's Brett again. just thinking out loud. It's been just under two years and we're coming up on our 100th episode. I believe this is episode 99. I haven't really decided what I'm going to do for the 100th episode. In fact, I think most of those mile stones or just contrivances that why not make a big deal out of the 121st episode or even this one, the 99th. In any event, if you have any ideas about how we can come out with a special episode, one, one thing I thought about was taking some of the excerpts from some of the great episodes that we've had over the years, some of my favorite insights or vulnerable moments that we've had with our guests, and just package them up for a special episode, which I think I will do at some point, maybe not for the 100th episode, because I've got a long list of guests that I have to get on the podcast, so I want to be careful about over-committing when I haven't even got to all the people that I'm hoping to get to, and it's really part of the wonder of doing this podcast for me is I'm never gonna run out of guests. I can't imagine another town, as we talked about with JB, that has so many incredible people. It's just staggering to the imagination. All the super achievers and just the good solid people who make up this community. And that's who I'm having on the podcast and that's also who is listening. So to all of you out there, Thank you. It's been a lot of fun and there's much, much more to come. That's it for this episode of Ojai Talk at the Town. We'll keep an ear out for you.